Hello and welcome to the PhD Life Raft podcast. I'm Emma Brzezinski and today I am talking to the fabulous B Hughes. We're focusing on the issue of precarity and B talks about their own experience going through the PhD process, which ended up with a viva on MS Teams. But they also talk about their work with the UCU, the University and College Union. So this episode might be of particular interest to you if you are negotiating um, sessional contracts or working um, as a teaching assistant in university in some way. So I do hope you enjoy this episode. Evening, B. Good evening. Thank you so, so much for coming on. Um, and we met, um, we were both invited to speak at the Association for Art History. And your talk there was so inspirational and so impassioned. And I was like, I would just love, people will love to hear this. So um, thank you for saying yes to come and talk to people on the podcast. I'm really looking forward to it. Well, thank you for inviting me. Um, I thought that was a really um, just interesting and important panel. So it's great that we've got space to continue that conversation. It, it was actually, and shout out to the Association for Art History for their kind of their postgraduate panel because it was just like you say, really important, gorgeously put together, um, and they do amazing work supporting postgraduates. Um, and actually, we could put a link, couldn't we, in the show notes to the work that they're doing because it is um, amazing. Yeah, absolutely. It's the doctoral and early career researcher part of the AAH. So they do brilliant work. Awesome. So here we are. We always start um, with asking people about their own journeys uh, through the PhD. And I know that you have had an interesting one. <laughs> so. Can you tell us about your own journey? Yeah, okay. So um, I did my PhD part-time. Um, I started back in 2014. It was a slightly, uh, I had a bit of a stop-start kind of situation with my whole kind of PhD at multiple points. So even from the very beginning, um, I kind of, um, so I'd, done my undergrad I'd done my MRes, and I really wanted to keep working with my MRes supervisor and um, Professor Colin Fallows at Liverpool School of Art and Design and the opportunity to potentially do a PhD with with him came up um, and kind of to develop my research so I kind of really jumped on that um, though um, it, there was a bit of a strange um, I guess mm, I'm trying to put this diplomatically. There was a slightly <laughs> strange um, kind of, it was a strange time in the university and there was a lot of tension between um, kind of, or kind of a very informal arrangement of how funding would be allocated for postgrad. So I was fortunate that I was like applying to it in the knowledge that I'd probably be getting my fees funded. Right. Um, but as soon as I kind of was going through the application process, I was off to place, but then there was like a bit of pressure from, from certain uh, parties to give me supervisors that I didn't want to work with. Mm. Um, 
So that was my first kind of big lesson and kind of really important thing about kind of taking control of of my own research and my own PhD journey. Yes. Um, and I actually ended up declining my place that I'd already accepted wow. um, and reapplying to a competitive fees scholarship in different school in the university. So my PhD ended up in the media um, communication culture department in um, in the School of Humanities and Social Science, not in the art school, but still with Colin on my team. So that was a bit of a, you know, a bit of a gamble. But fortunately, I, I, I got I got accepted. I got the fees funding. Amazing. Yeah, that was that was good. So that was my first one, uh, kind of point where I was like, "Hang on a minute!" I, I, someone is telling me, "Oh no, you, it's fine. We can make your research fit in the school. Um, you can kind of, yeah." Uh, but we want you to have these supervisors, and it wasn't that I didn't kind of, didn't kind of like or respect those people. It's just that I knew that the research I wanted to do at that point wouldn't kind of be able to happen in the way I wanted it to unless I had. The supervisors that I'd already kind of identified and you know it's your right to to have a say in who supervises you as a, as a PGR um, and I want to just totally honor that because this is this is unusual in all the best ways in terms of people often as you say feel that they have to just take what's offered to them they feel like if somebody's letting them do a PhD, that's amazing. It's like, well, no, you are, you're bringing all sorts of skills and opportunities to the institution. Um, and you absolutely have a right to uh, be part of that decision making about who will supervise you. Absolutely. And so what a fantastic example um, in your story. Thanks, Emma. Um, yeah, so it, it worked out well. And, you know, I had the backing of Colin Fallows and also uh, who would become my director of studies, um, Dr. Sean Lincoln, uh, over in the School of Humanities and Social Science. And kind of uh, I had another supervisor who, because of the way my project changed over over time, kind of I changed my supervisors. I got another supervisor from um, the, the media department, um, Dr. Ned Hassan. And that team was just like a hundred percent behind me through the kind of rest of it. Um, so I started working on this project. My kind of background um, is in graphic arts. My degree is in graphic arts illustration specialism. Uh, for my masters, I did an MRes art and design, and I researched the visual culture of Dracula, which um, yeah, I kind of you're going to get a sense of kind of taken quite a long time to figure out what I was doing in terms of <laughs> kind of uh, research. Love that. Um, so I did that, I did that project. It was kind of practice-led, but it was quite a heavy kind of theoretical question. And I was kind of wondering why people were not having these theoretical discussions about illustration. Mm. Um, whereas they kind of, you at least have some sort of theoretical framework or tradition, something to kind of look look or anchor into or push against in other kind of arts-based disciplines. Mm. Um, so that became the basis of the project that I started um, and was supported to do. Uh, I realised after about 18 months that I was kind of doing this project that wasn't bringing me any fulfilment anymore. Um, I really started out wanting to find this out. So I designed this kind of basically an ethnographic study of 
the kind of landscape of illustration as a profession, as an industry, as a kind of site of education and kind of practice. Um, but it was really difficult as someone like so uh, kind of new to the field to have those conversations yes. and to you know people would be kind of acknowledging in in interviews that I did early on you know oh yeah like this isn't great there's like lots of problems but also kind of not wanting to be on the record with okay. these kinds of things um okay. and it just like I wasn't doing any creative practice it was really um really not working and I you know it was a real I was really struggling at that point. I was struggling with kind of um, kind of work alongside. So throughout my PhD, I worked as a sessional lecturer in kind of various departments, um, and I had kind of that comes with its own ebbs and flows, mm. of like work being offered um, mm. or not. <laughs> um, kind of trying to scrabble around to find more work in another department, yes. um, and I was kind of at this point where I almost felt like I wanted to quit my PhD. Um, or you know at least take like a leave of absence figure out what I was doing Mm. Um, and um, my supervisors just said you can you can have a leave of absence but also you can just take the time and not worry about it (laughs) to like figure out what you're doing and what you want to do Um, and that's what I did so I kind of even even though I was kind of still on the clock as it were I was uh, I suddenly didn't have a project because the one that had been approved <laughs> was like not working and I couldn't 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 find the kind of motivation to kind of unpick it all mm. um and they were just like well what do you want to do I was like I don't know I'm scared and depressed now mm, 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 <laughs> um, mm. but throughout that kind of it took about a year actually and this is the kind of I guess the benefit of a number of kind of factors like doing doing it part-time and yes. I had some space to, have yes. some to do those things to have those thoughts if I'd have done my PhD full-time I just I, I would have probably ended up quitting because I wouldn't you know I could not have done what I've done in the yes. time and this theme um, has come up a lot in terms of there are lots of problems with doing a part-time PhD but there are also benefits and um, mm-hmm. that is that having that time is a real benefit and and I know that this experience that you've had will resonate with lots of people in terms of getting to that point of kind of this is just not working what do I do and taking a pause I mean how amazing are your team in terms of saying to you to do that take that time Mm -hmm. you'll get there you'll find it yeah absolutely I mean the kind of trust that my supervisor had in me throughout was you know it was the thing that kept me going (laughs) and the faith that they knew that I kind of had the skills as a researcher and that I had you know their support to do that exploration yes yes you know so important and I know that I'm really fortunate well everyone should have that well exactly and (laughs) and just to reflect back to you you crafted that for yourself you kind of you put that in place for yourself and how fantastic is that yeah um I just I am acutely aware that so many people feel or are made to feel somehow inadequate or somehow that they should be you know grateful um for you know the the whatever is offered that it's really difficult to find 
kind of the space for yourself kind of uh in terms of your own kind of well-being uh your own kind of breathing and thinking space and um know that you're supported to make those decisions um, against all those potential institutional structures that are kind of going to push back against that yes yes so you took your time you worked it through and mm-hmm. and I started my new project yay um, yeah which kind of emerged from during this whole time of turmoil I'd started uh, on a uh, I, I was participating in a creative um collaborative project with with Colin my supervisor um as part of his research um which was um or is still exists but uh, I don't participate anymore but it's um a sound art ensemble called Colin Fallows Ensemble and this gave me like a really solid basis in getting back into creative practice I started to learn new skills I was doing loads of performance um we kind of had this like 18 months of rehearsal of kind of like unlearning how uh the conventions of playing electric guitar are kind of uh brought to us through culture and kind of trying to reorient that towards like thinking about sound um as a spatial thing and as a kind of physical thing and relating it to kind of visual arts um and that enabled me to kind of figure out that I wanted to be making my own work and I didn't work and then that's where my project came from. Love that and again this theme has come up before as we talk to people in terms of those those kind of seemingly peripheral things that you're engaged in Mm -hmm. they can they can be magical in terms of that's that's then where the direction goes that's where the energy comes from that's where you're drawn to and um and I, I love this in your story that, that that sense of your creative practice coming through and then leading leading the way. Yeah, um, it, yeah. And I just also I, it was slightly complicated by not being in the art department anymore. Right. <laughs> I was also really, really strongly supported to do a practice led PhD in the media cultural right. uh, studies department that doesn't traditionally have practice led PhDs. Amazing. Um, so yeah, that was that was cool, and I hope other people get to do that as well. <laughs> yes, exactly, exactly. I think it's kind of challenging those um, disciplinary traditions, I guess, isn't it? It is about tradition yeah. often, um, and um, just changing it up and go, just encouraging people to think differently around subject matter, and and that ideally that's what PhD work is. It's cutting edge work. That's that's what um that's what should be doing if there is a should about it. <laughs> um, so I know that when you got to the Viva, there was it was still an interesting process for you. <laughs> yeah, um, it was. So um, I submitted my my thesis on I think it was like the fifth of March, twenty twenty, and we all know what happened <laughs> right, right after that day, that. everybody. <laughs> Um, because we're still in the middle of it all Um, yeah so I'd submitted my uh, thesis and was waiting for my Viva arrangements while the whole world and all of our universities were trying to figure out how on earth they function off campus and online Um, so I had my Viva via Microsoft Teams Um, and how was that um it was 
I had so many mixed emotions about that process. Yes. Um, because I was so the whole there's so much about doing a PhD and the whole process of it, and it all leads up to the vibe. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And it, you know, you know, you can go to like viva survivor training and all these you know other various things there's so many resources there's so many like ideas about how you're going to handle a viva but that's you know our university has a special room that you go to in the doctor academy um yeah I mean I'm in like in retrospect I'm kind of glad I didn't have to go to the the room (laughs) the room yeah we have a viva room but I'll never well unless I get to examine a PhD I guess I'm not gonna go in there um oh my goodness and you know it's that whole build-up where you think you're gonna go to your viva and then you're gonna get to see supervisors afterwards and you're gonna get to see friends and your family potentially depending on you know where you are um and none of that was gonna happen and it was I was so sad about that (laughs) in amongst all of the turmoil of like being confused about having to do it on teams and like also just like stress of it being a viva yes um but it was kind of it was also nice in some ways because um I ended up because of having to do it from home um doing my viva in the room where I'd made a lot of the artwork that ended up in my in my in my thesis um so that was kind of nice it was like this is the room where I figured out what I wanted to do in my practice where I'd started the kind of pivotal project that yes. formed you know the whole thesis in the end yes. um and I got to sit in in this room and do my viva here um oh, it all went fine you know <laughs> it was it was it was fine something that's something really gorgeous about that isn't there in terms of being in your own space and um, yeah I, I I'm I was just asking more about that because I know this there will be other people out there right now getting ready to do their five on teams and uh, mm-hmm. just wishing you wishing you all luck and um yeah absolutely I think hopefully people also might feel a little bit more comfortable in in kind of the world of online video yeah. calling yeah now. exactly because um, you were just thrown into it <laughs> yeah I mean I, uh, yeah I was a little but I had been fortunate in that I'd been like engaged in some kind of union related stuff since kind of right when lockdown was called that meant that I would got a little bit used to being on teams and being in online meetings um so it wasn't like a hundred percent new um so obviously doing a viable was a hundred percent new <laughs> so let's get on to the union related stuff um because the, this um you do a lot of fantastic work with the union and the theme of precarity and PhD students was something that kind of that's where I met you talking about that um, and also is, is really important and something you, you work with the union on. So can you tell us a little bit about that work? Yeah, so um, I'm chair of my branch of UCU um, and I have been for just over a year now. Um, before that, I was sort of I've been a member since 2012 throughout the whole kind of working as a sessional lecturer alongside doing my research um, and kind of got involved more in the branch in the last kind of couple of years. Um, so um, I kind of reached a, 
me, I reached a point where the kind of situation was kind of the precarity of my employment had become so frustrating in that um, there were so many changes to the types of contracts that could be given to me because I was a PGR, mm-hmm. um, even though, you know, I'd previously held a different type of contract and it, it was no problem. Um, or, you know, the amount of hours that could be allocated that I kind of just thought, right, I need to get I need to find some support. I need to get involved with the union. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so the union that, I, that we're talking about is UCU, the University and Colleges Union, just in yes. case people um, don't, you know, aren't familiar yes. and also don't know that PGRs can be members of UCU. Yes. Um, and UCU has so many resources, uh, networks um, and kind of specific uh, regional, local and national offices like that are elected to kind of build work around this. Um, so... Um, yes, and, the, and you can be a free member, is that right, of the UCU if you're yeah, a PGR? Yeah, you can. So if you're a PhD candidate who doesn't teach alongside or do any kind of contracted work separate to your PhD, you know, it doesn't have to be teaching, it can be, you know, uh, research uh, assistantship or whatever, then you can join as a student member. Um, if, so if you are a candidate but you don't do any work, if you have any kind of uh, employment in the university, um, well, actually then you can join 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 um, UCU if you're kind of doing any kind of teaching or research related job. If you're kind of working in a different department where um, UCU don't represent oh, that constituency of members, then you might need to join a different union, but you can mm. still join a union in mm. your workplace. Mm. Um, and so, we recommend, recommend joining the union. <laughs> absolutely. Um, and yeah, I mean, it's it can seem like uh, quite daunting, because especially if you're a PGR, you're already, you can already feel quite alienated and disconnected from the rest of the academic community in like loads of different ways. Mm. Um, And I think also unions in general can seem um, a little bit unapproachable, not Mm. always. And there are so many branches of UCU doing amazing work, Mm. uh, kind of building and organizing um, with, with their members. But if you kind of haven't, dipped your toe into that world before it can be quite intimidating mm. um, but yeah just but as you say there's there's so much support for you there um and as you were saying particularly for PGRs it might be that they come in because they are involved in sessional work or they've got a short-term contract um and actually as you were as you were saying it can help people to understand what that means, understand their rights in terms of those contracts. Yeah, um, absolutely. And to also understand that um, you're not alone in the way that you're being employed mm, <laughs> and mm. that this is like actually one of the biggest systemic problems in mm. academia at the moment. Yes. Um, so, you know, the, the choice to make people employed on these contracts that push us to the side and out kind of make us feel that we're not as good as other members of staff is mm. a choice that employers have made and yes. not kind of it's not a inherent part of academia it doesn't have to be um and you know there are kind of reports from from UCU and campaigns that um you can get involved in um, you know, you see commission research about how um, casualisation 
um, kind of and precarity impact people. So um, their report from 2020, which um, is really, really detailed, um, uh, is actually called Second Class Academic Citizens, the Dehumanising Effects of Casualization in Higher Education. And I think you can tell, you can see just how kind of awful and how, you know, how seriously the union takes it. Yes. That, you know, that's how the union has put out a report that recognises exactly how it makes people feel to be treated like this. Yes. And as you say, people might feel like it goes back to what we were saying before in terms of people feeling that like they should be grateful for something that's been offered. They feel like they have to go along with what's happening and actually seeing that there are other people in the situation, seeing that they're supported in that situation may, may help it to initially feel feel different, but hopefully actually change that situation. You know, that's what that's what's being moved towards. Um, and we can certainly put links to that report in the show notes and, and other links to um, UCU and how people can um, join up there. Um, So I'm going to ask you now a really unfair question, (laughs) which I ask everybody, um, is about a kind of top tip or something for people to take away um, from from this conversation that's touched on so many things. Um, Any offers for us, (laughs) B? Okay, so I think one of the kind of, I, I guess it's two things that sort of, that link so from earlier in the conversation when we were talking about you know you you should feel that you have control and agency over over your project and over your um over the direction of your research and over things like your supervisory team um and if you feel that your supervisory team isn't working you have a right to change it for example um and to request for that to be changed so that's the first thing to kind of don't feel that you have to be pulled along some sort of institutional man like journey. Yes, there are regulations. Obviously, it's a qualification. Yes, but but you know you also should feel that you are in control of what you're doing. Yes. Um. Yes. And then the second thing, I guess, is to do with the latter part of our conversation, and that's around the way that being a PGR in an institution where often we feel like we're n- not staff and we're not students because the structures that support students are often so geared towards undergrads and uh, often institutions will refuse to speak to um, unions about things that concern PGR specifically because that's student related (laughs) Um, but also um, UCU are sorry I should have said this earlier UCU are mounting a campaign to have PGRs recognised as staff in UK higher education so that's something to keep an eye on no, the other thing I'd say is just don't don't feel that you are to blame or that you're inadequate and don't feel that you're alone yeah. uh, in that. Um, try and kind of, if you're already a member of, of the union, kind of just reach reach out to the, to the branch. You can do that via the UC website. It will give you branch contact. Um, if you're uh, already a member uh, sorry, if you're not a member, join, you'll get, in, get put in touch. If you want to get involved, you know, you can self-organise, you can get together, you know, with the people in your lab or the people in your department. Um, if you've got a couple of people that you know at your uni and go to the branch and say, we really want to do some work around, you know, 
PGRs and casualised contracts. Is the branch doing anything? Who else is interested? What support can you give us? Um, most people will just like bite your hand off and they will support you to do that and to kind of advocate for yourselves. Yes, 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 yes. Well, got very much value for money there, didn't we? Because we've <laughs> got three, fantastic. Thank you so much, B, for all of that advice. Really, really useful stuff. And as I say, we'll have all the links um, in the show notes. And also every week you can sign up to get notes from the life raft so that you we send extra bits of information on that on that weekly newsletter. So you can sign up for that too. Thank you again, B, for your time and your generosity of spirit and all the work that you do. Oh, thank you, Emma. And uh, thanks for you know creating this podcast in this space, bringing people together to talk about what can be quite a complicated and varied journey for people. Yeah. And thank you all for listening.